Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Al Jolson, Oscar Levant, Bob Hope, Vera Vague, comedian Frank Morgan, and the complete cast of It Pays to be Ignorant. One of the greatest personalities of the past 50 years was Al Jolson. During his lifetime, he was billed as the world's greatest entertainer, and I'm inclined to agree. During the mid-40s, his radio show, The Craft Music Hall, was consistently in the top ten. Oscar Levant also shared a somewhat dubious billing on that show, but in a comic way, of course. Mr. Levant has been a renowned composer and pianist since the days of George Gershwin. Mr. Levant shared these moments with Jolson and with us, the listener, to the delight of all concerned. Here's some excerpts with Mr. Jolson, Mr. Levant, and the Steinway during some of those programs in 1947. Oscar. Oscar, do you know what you're playing? Do I know? It's one of the greatest song hits you ever sang. Yes, sir. Takes me back to the old winter garden. I remember the scene well. There was a cotton plantation, and I was singing to my mammy... Rock a by your baby with a Dixie melody. When you croon, croon a tune from the heart of Dixie. Hang that cradle, mammy mine, right on that Mason Dixon line. Swing it from Virginia. To Tennessee with all the soul that's in you. Mammy, listen what they're playing. They're playing Weep Them All, My Lady. Sing it for me. And old Black Joe, just as though you had me on your knee. A million baby kisses I'll deliver. If you will only sing the Swanee River rockabye, your rockabye baby with a Dixie melody. Thank you. What, Oscar? Turn up the house lights. I will, but I'll hear from the union in the morning. Well, <laughs> <laughs> boy, now I can see all their faces. Now, folks, let's pretend this is the old Winter Garden Theater. That's where I used to walk out on the runway. Today he has to have an escalator. <laughs> Never mind that, you maroon. Well, here... <laughs> I'm too nice to call you a moron. Well, anyway, here I am. Here I am on the runway raring to go. All right, folks. What would you like to hear me sing? Now, you name it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, folks. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, folks. You name it, and I'll sing it anything at all. Just make sure they're over 50 years old. <laughs> all right, come on, folks. Call them out. 
Thank you. Of course, no one sings them as often as you do. <laughs> Al, all I want you to sing is a new song. Don't make any wisecracks about my singing nothing but old songs. I wouldn't think of it, Al. When you sing an old song, you make it young again. Thanks, Oscar. You should do as well by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, Oscar. I know that too in any place. Yes, sir, any place. That's uh, Brahms Lullaby. <laughs> Brahms Lullaby, that's what that is. Don't It's laugh. Schubert's Serenade. Schubert's Serenade? Mm-hmm. Fine thing. Schubert turns it back and Brahms steals his tune. Al, <laughs> well, those old composers didn't have to steal music. No? They sat down and wrote it. For instance, listen to this Chopin Nocturne. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Chopin wrote that? What a thief. What do you mean? What do I mean? Give me an apagio, I'll show you. Oh, how I miss you tonight. Miss you when lights are low. Chopin's not going to... Play me something else of that guy, Chopin. I'm going to expose him tonight. Go ahead. Play something else. All right. Go ahead. Play something else. All right. This time, I'll play Fantasy Impromptu. Fantasy Impromptu. Tell me Chopin left at that. Don't tell he, he most certainly did. Give me another pad and I'll show you. I'll show you. What do they call that again? Fantasy impromptu, eh? Impromptu. Impromptu, all right. I'm always chasing rainbows, watching clouds drifting by. Didn't think that man Chopin... Didn't he ever write anything original? Sure. Didn't he ever write anything original? Sure he did. Try and make something out of this. Yeah. Wait a minute. This is going too far. Chopin really stole that one. Play it and I'll show you. Till the end of time. Longest stars are in the blue. Wait a minute, and... Al. Wait a minute. If you're going to question the originality of the old masters, how about the song you stole? Me steal? 
Oscar, I wouldn't take candy from a baby. Unless it was peppermint. <laughs> All kidding aside, yeah. Al, how about anniversary song, which you claim to have written? Claim? Wait, you hear? That's a, that's a, that's a my public. That's a my public. I wrote that song, listen. Oh, how we dance on the night we were wed. Wait a minute, Al. Isn't it a coincidence that a man named Ivan Ovici, you hear me? Yeah. Ivan Ovici wrote this melody? That, just a minute, Oscar, please. That guy stole it from me. But Al, Ivan Ovici wrote this in 1821. 1821? He still could have stolen it from me. <laughs> I guess I can't win with you. Here's one that's completely original. For the first squaw in America, no doubt. Maybe. Think it over, boy. I hear the mission bells above. Ramona, they're ringing out a song of love. I press you, caress you, and bless the day you taught me to care. I'll always remember the rambling rose you wore in your hair. Ramona, when day is done, you'll hear my call. Ramona, we'll meet beside the waterfall. I dread the dawn when I awake to find you gone. Ramona, I need you. Barbara Jo Allen, otherwise known as Vera Vague, appeared with Bob Hope on his radio show for many years. Here's an excerpt of their clowning with comedian Frank Morgan on a radio special in 1946. <laughs> Mr. Walgreen's got nothing on me. I've got a little worrying to do myself. I have to get money by hook or crook. I got the crook. Oh, Mr. Hope. And here's the schnook. <laughs> Mr. Hope, I do wish you'd do something about my room. There's an inch of dust on the floor beneath my bed. Why, it isn't fit for a man to hide under. <laughs> Well, Miss Vega, I think I found a gentleman you'd be interested in. Oh, you darling. Is there anything I can do for you? Heavens, no. <laughs> Mr. Hope, I'll have you understand I once had the prettiest face on Broadway and the most beautiful legs in Hollywood. Yeah, but I bet you didn't set Chicago on fire. <laughs> Glad to see you thinking this late. I really am. Now, please, please, please. Here, who's the man? I'm well, very... You what, darling? Well, I'm very interested. Well, I, you I'll kind of be here. Now, just a second. Yeah. Down to a light boil. Watch your motor there, will you please? <laughs> now, here we are. This fellow is a very distinguished southern gentleman. He's right over in Club 45. Come on, I'll introduce you. Mr. Hope, do you think he'll marry me? Well, if you play your cards right. Who wants to play cards? I don't blame you the way your deck is stacked. Now, there he is. There he is right at that first table. His name is Colonel Frank Morgan. 
Oh, he's a gray one, isn't he? <laughs> now, you wait right here and I'll go over and get him. Remember, though, it's marriage or nothing. Uh, don't be too hasty, <laughs> but hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I approached Morgan. I felt like a warden bringing news of a death penalty. His face looked like it had been chiseled out of marble. And knowing Morgan, I figured he probably did the chiseling. <laughs> he looked up at me and I could see the sweat standing out in his martini glass. <laughs> Morgan, I said. Well, sir, if it ain't my old friend, Mr. Hope. Not yet. Now you're going after the money. Now, wait a minute. That's your bride-to-be over by the door. Oh, a very fine-looking person. Beautiful, in fact. <laughs> and dressed stunningly. That's a gorgeous white coat. No, no, you're looking at the head waiter. Don't you, uh... <laughs> Don't you see that group of beautifully shaped girls in the backless evening gowns? Yes. Well, yours is the one in the turtleneck sweater. Uh, oh, no, 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 not her. <laughs> What's the matter? You a coward? Well, at the moment, yes. <laughs> She's got a million dollars for some southern gentleman. Oh, well, I say, lead me to that most gorgeous damsel. That's enough, the Bull Weevil. All right. Miss <laughs> Vague, here's your admirer, Colonel Frank Morgan. Hello, Mr. Morgan. <laughs> I understand you found a little place in your heart for me. Well, yes, ma'am. It's just a small place. <laughs> but you know how the housing situation is. Well, I'll leave you two lovebirds, and Morgan, remember, I get half the feathers. I certainly do. <laughs> Miss Vague, let's talk about love. Yes, let's do. Love makes the world go round. Love is the sweetest thing. Love is everything. Yeah. Well, that's enough. Let's talk about money again. <laughs> Colonel Morgan, all I want from a man is comfort. Well, I can do better than that, ma'am. I can give you southern comfort. <laughs> I'm so thrilled being out with the real southern colonel. Yeah. I suppose you know all about the cotton gin. I didn't know they could make it from that. <laughs> Tom Howard and George Sheldon were a vaudeville team during the 20s and 30s, but their real popularity came in the mid-40s when they teamed up with two other vaudevillians, a gravelly-voiced woman by the name of Lulu McConnell and an Englishman named George Sheldon. They first appeared on the Kate Smith Hour and were an instant success. It wasn't long before they had their own half-hour comedy show. In this excerpt, Kate Smith fills in for Miss McConnell. For one of the most hilarious quiz shows of all time, it pays to be ignorant. What is a censor? A censor is a man with an evil mind and a pair of scissors. Correct. Pay that man $8. Can you name the 12 animals from the polar region? Six seals and six polar bears. Correct. Pay the man $9 because... It pays to be ignorant. Presented by Johnny. It pays to be ignorant. Thank you, Johnny. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, here we are coming at you with another spasm of that Friday night convulsion. It pays to be ignorant. A show that asks questions but never gets any answers. 
We have a board of experts who are so dumb, they think a football fixer is a man who repairs footballs. Of course, we have the celebrated author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a Mexican version of the song, What a Difference a Day Makes, by Leo DeRocha. <laughs> Here he is, Mr. Harry McNaughton. Thank you. I, I have a poem, Mr. Howard. Yes. Yes. When walking in a movie theater, do not be a nut. Always look behind you. The seat may still be up. Wonderful. <laughs> I felt my end was near. You're very good advice. Thank you. Next, we have a man whose ancestors went west with the covered wagons. If you saw his ancestors, you'd know why the wagons were covered. <laughs> a man, a man who, when a boy at school, was voted the most likely to blow up a bank... Mr. George Shelton. You know, I was up to my Uncle Webfoot's farm last week, Mr. Howard. Ma. Oh, they had an awful flood up there. They did? It washed the bridge away right near his place, so I went down to look at it. Mm. And while I was standing there, a man came along in his car, and he said, is the water deep? And I said, no. No. He says, do you think I can cross? I said, why not? Uh-huh. So he started to cross. And you know, the first thing you know, the car disappeared right from sight. Did, uh, the, did, the, did the man drown? No, he got out all right. Well, why did you tell him he could drive through it? He might have drowned. Well, a few minutes before, I saw some ducks cross, and the water was only up to their stomach. I see. I see. <laughs> yes, well, of course. Boy, that was a dumb quack. Now, let's get on here. Oh. Due, due to illness, Miss McConnell will be unable to be with us this evening. In her place, we have one of America's most famous personalities, who is pinch-hitting for Miss McConnell. That generous and warm-hearted lady is none other than Kate Smith. Thank you, Mr. Howard. You know, I thought I wouldn't be able to be here tonight. Just before I left home, my little niece swallowed a fountain pen. Oh, well, that's too bad. Did you get a doctor? Yeah, we called one, but he can't get there till tomorrow. Goodness. So what are you doing in the meantime? We're using the pencil. You're... I... <laughs> Miss Smith, if you stay with this bunch long enough, you'll be as bad as they are. You know, it's funny. Ted Collins was telling me the same thing this morning. I imagine. He was <laughs> right, too. Let's get on here. Now, here's the first question. Let's see how we make out. Yes. How many hours does a man work in an eight-hour day? Mr. Mr. Howard, do you mind if I ask you a question? Go right ahead. Since when have we been having eight-hour days? I, you know, I always thought they were 24-hour days. What won't they think of next? Yeah, I see. And who, who changed the days to eight hours? I bet it was the new Republican Congress. I'll bet it was. Well, I hope they don't start messing around with the nights. All right. (laughs) I didn't ask you how many hours there was in a day. I asked you about a man working eight hours. The question is about work. Work. Oh, that old thing. Yeah, that old thing. (laughs) Why bring that up? Well, Mr. Sheldon, I bet you $5 you never worked a day in your life. Oh, yeah? Well, I'll take that bet. Here's my $5. Okay. When did you ever do an honest day's work? Honest day's? You're changing the question. No, that wasn't a bet. You didn't say honest. I see. When I was a girl, I worked in a pillow factory stuffing pillows. It was very depressing. It uh, it was depressing, stuffing pillows? Mm -hmm, Yep. Every day when I started to work... I got down in the mouth. You got down? <laughs> down in the mouth. 
Miss Smith, your mother will never forgive you for that one. <laughs> I'll never forgive myself. Uh, all right. Can we please get back to the question, how many hours does a man work in an eight-hour day? <laughs> now, what is this? Please, Mr. McNaughton, please. What? What are you laughing at? Ooh, Miss Smith got feathers in her mouth. Feathers? <laughs> I remember, I had a job once. Oh. I, yeah, I was a food taster. All day long, I did nothing but taste food. Eat some of this, eat some of that. Eating food all day long. I quit. Yeah, why did you quit? They wouldn't give me any lunch hour. They are. <laughs> That's awful. How many hours does a man work in an eight-hour day? I, I don't believe any of you know anything about time. Miss Smith, do you know how many minutes are in an hour? Which hour? Which <laughs> They are of charm. Look, we'll say 8 o'clock in the morning, Miss Smith. Mm, I never get up that early, Mr. I Howard. See. You know, Mr. Howard, I overslept this morning. You overslept? Yes, you see, there were eight of us in one room, and the alarm clock was only set for seven. I, I see. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, I was the unlucky one. Yeah. Overslept. Too bad, you woke up. Johnny, the only way to stop is, uh, this is to step in here and find these three misfits, will you? Certainly, Mr. Howard. Thank you, Johnny. Excuse me, is this the adventure? Is it a thin man? Look, my friend, I don't know who you are, but this program is it pays to be ignorant. Well, is every program on the air it pays to be ignorant? <laughs> what do you want? Well, I'm looking for an empty studio. For what? Well, I've got to give a leopard a banjo lesson. A leopard? Wait a minute. Have you got a leopard that plays a banjo? No, but I've got one spotted. You got one? <laughs> Well, folks, Mr. Palazzi tells us it's time to sign off. So we'll leave you until this time next week. So here is Terry Allen to tell you what we mean when we say... It pays to be ignorant, to be dense, to be dumb, to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant just like me. Each week I earn six dollars. My brain is terribly lax. But when there ain't no income, then there ain't no income tax. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. Now here's a question. What's right with America? The Human Goals document issued by the Department of Defense lays it on the line when it declares that we must strive, quote, to provide opportunity for everyone, military and civilian, to rise to as high a level of responsibility as his talent and diligence will take him, unquote. Opportunity of the individual is an important facet to our way of life. Let's keep it that way. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more from the golden days of radio on this, the American Forces Radio and Television Service. <laughs>